Hello and welcome to Book Talk. I am so excited that you are here. Today I'm going to be talking with Esther Hatch about her novel, A Proper Scandal, which is book one in the trilogy, Proper Scandals. Esther, do you want to introduce yourself and then give us a fun fact about yourself? Yes, um, I'm Esther Hatch. I've been writing books since 2018 or I've been publishing them since 2018 anyway. And I mostly write Regency and Victorian romances. So it's been a wonderful career. I've loved doing it. I'm grateful to the people around me who have encouraged me and helped me get on this path because I I was always an avid, avid reader and it never really Mm -hmm. crossed my mind to jump into the book writing world. So I'm really grateful that I had other people around me who knew that you could do that. (laughs) So yeah, Um, I am married to my husband, Greg, and we have four boys and they wish Mm -hmm. I would write like middle grade sometimes, but I (laughs) haven't delved into that yet. A fun fact about me. um, I'm really, this is like a silly thing. (laughs) I was trying to think of a funny thing that happened. And I will say I have really bad um, eye for color. So like um, paint colors for our house. And I didn't know this about myself until this happened, but we finished a room in our basement, like a family room. And I spent like months looking for like a dusty blue, like months. Like I scoured all the paint chips. I thought I was good at this. I didn't know I had a problem. And and I picked one out. I picked it out. It was perfect. I was so excited. And we, luckily we, it was a finished, we were just finishing the basement from scratch, like this one room. So we sprayed it. And my husband calls me after spraying it and he goes, Esther, you might want to come look at this color. (laughs) And it was literally Barney purple, like (gasps) literally Barney purple. And in my mind, it was like this beautiful dusky, dusky (laughs) blue. And the funny thing is like my brother-in-law even had looked at it and said, so you're going to paint it purple. And I was like, it's not purple. What are you talking about? So since that, I've always had help picking out paint colors if they're going to go <laughs> on my wall because I can't picture them on the wall from a chip, apparently. So, so, so how long did it take you to paint over Barney? So <laughs> it was actually not hard at all. Like the, it cost us like $300 in paint, but almost no oh, time no. because we had like taped everything off and my husband had sprayed it, which normally we roll paint. Yeah, as it was a brand new finish, like it didn't have we didn't have carpet or the boards up or anything. So, so it actually only took probably fifteen or twenty more minutes, minus running to the store. And when I went, I just said, "Please just give me your most popular color." <laughs> and I loved it. I loved it. I'm like, I spent months, and then I just walked into a store and said, "Tell me what's really popular right now," and and it worked great. So uh, I love that. That is a very fun fact. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay, so today we're going to talk about um, your book, A Proper Scandal, which is the first book in the series, Proper Scandals, with an S. Yes. Um, <laughs> just to clarify there. Yeah. Um, so do you want to give us just a little synopsis um, of what the book's about? Yes. Um, so this is my second book I ever wrote, and I was really excited to delve into the Victorian time period. My first was a Regency. And one of the reasons 
I wanted to get into this time period. Well, I had a few reasons. Um, one is my two favorite books are Jane Eyre and North and South, which are both like this early Victorian time period that I write in. Um, and the other reason is I had just wrote a gentleman who, you know, lived a life of leisure. And I really had like a strong desire to write a man that could make something of himself and that worked and was trying to improve his lot in life. And yeah. so that kind of was like the spark for this story for me, that that's the type of hero I wanted was someone who was going to um, like save his family and work really hard and come up from, from like, he doesn't come from poverty. He is a gentleman, but right. like he's a poor one. <laughs> so, so he takes up, he, he makes, a railroad business. It's during the railroad boom. And a lot of people were making their fortunes on the railroad at this time. So that's our hero, Nate, who I love. I loved getting to write someone like that. Um, and Grace, on the other hand, is wealthy. She's beautiful. She, however, has had a hard lot as far as family goes. So like her parents had passed away and she's been living with a vicar and they have two daughters they're trying to marry off. And she's kind of a distraction for them because <laughs> because she has she's not only beautiful, she's got a large dowry. And so kind of their daughters are starting to get looked over. Right. And so they decide to send her to an aunt in London. But that ends up not being a great situation either. And she's given like an ultimatum that she has to get married in two weeks. And not only get married, but they have picked the man she needs to marry. <laughs> and the only way to get that done fast is to put him in a scandalous situation where the marriage can kind of be forced. So here's this sweet young girl who's suddenly thrown into like needing to be like a seductress of sorts. Fun. Here's a little fun fact. <laughs> the original title of this book, when I wrote it before I turned it in, was called The Reluctant Seductress. <laughs> I still to this day love but it doesn't yeah. it doesn't really fit the vibe of the clean romance that I write so right it's like but I do I love the title like I just thought it was such a fun fun title yeah but yeah. yeah so right. it so it's kind of the story of these two you know bumbling through her trying to <laughs> catch him and and him being really confused why this beautiful woman is coming after him so aggressively. <laughs> he's, he's kind of like on the outskirts of society because he's a working man and stuff. So, yes. yeah. Okay. All right. So we're going to kind of do more vague general questions and then we'll do a more specific. Okay. Um, okay. So I'm very curious about a lot of things. Um, but... When you began writing A Proper Scandal, did you know it was going to turn into a trilogy? Um, or was it just a standalone in your mind when you started writing it? That That is an excellent question. I did not know it was going to turn into a trilogy um, until I wrote one character. And actually, until I rewrote one character. So um, there's a character I kind of um, fell in love with. <laughs> Lord Bryant. And I, as I wrote, wrote him, I was like, oh, he's going to need his own book. But I also knew his book wouldn't be the next book. Um, and so the second book was kind of written as like, I need something before his book. 
So that's how the trilogy was born. And here's one other little fun fact is there will be a fourth in this <gasps> series, but it, it's um, going to be out. It's going to be a while. <laughs> it's going to be <laughs> a long while, but the first draft is written. It's in editing stages now. So I'm excited about it. So I'm not as far behind as I thought I was. See? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to finish just in time that like you won't have to wait as long as everybody else to get that fourth one. Right? It's going to be perfect timing for me. Yeah. Okay, so once you figured out that you wanted this to be a trilogy, does that change how you write or the characters you put in? Um, Or did you not really have to make that many adjustments? So I have a very strong opinion, especially for the type of series I write that the book that you're writing now is the most important always. And you always have to do what's best for that story, not for the series. So it did affect mostly Lord Bryant's character. And actually that was happening anyway. It was more like his character made the series happen. Um, (laughs) So I would say in this book, especially, no, I I wouldn't say anything changed. Oh, well, no, I put in a few... I put in a few Easter eggs that I knew were going to come up in the last book, I guess you could say. Ooh. Like, not Easter eggs, but like, yeah. Like, when you get to the the <laughs> epilogue of the third book, there is something in there that I probably finessed for, for that to happen when I submitted this book. <laughs> or at least I wrote that scene, and then maybe that gave me the idea for that epilogue. I can't remember the exact order, but for the most part, I... I really try very hard to not sacrifice the current book over for the series, if that makes sense, which is right. it's interesting how often stuff like that kind of comes up in a book where you're like, like, Ooh, it would be really good if I could use this character from the first book because I loved them, but then they don't quite mm-hmm. actually fit in the narrative of this one. And so you have to come up right. with a new character instead. Right. I just, I'm always curious. Cause I, I just started the second one um, and Miss the Woodsworths are in it. So I was like, I wonder yeah. like if we, if you knew, like, did you know that's who you wanted? I, to I did not. Or... So when this book was finished, I had no clue that he would be my next hero actually. <laughs> and so he's not actually the best guy in this one, like in some ways. Right. Like, and so I was dealt this hand of like, Oh, how do I, Like he kind of comes across as, as a gold digger in the first book. Yes. And so that's like the little inkling I had of his character (laughs) and, um, and it actually worked beautifully for the next book when I had it. So um, I actually, I really, really love the second book in this series. Um, There, I think, I think I might've had time to soften his character just a little bit at the end for a proper scandal. Like I think I'd had it all written and realized he was going to be my main character. And I think it's been a while since I've read through a proper scandal. I think (laughs) he might have like apologized or something towards the end. Yes, he does. Um, Okay. So I think that might have affected me. So I, I'm pretty sure I did have time to get that apology in so that he Mm -hmm. wasn't quite so, so negative, but also I, I, it's so hard for me to remember (laughs) what came first and second and third because I had one major concern with a proper scandal, which is there were really no good guys in this book. (laughs) 
And right. so I also <laughs> felt like I needed to redeem a couple of them, which yeah. was part of the reason why Lord Bryant became a fascinating character to me because he originally was like an older, gross man on a train. And I think Anthony was, um, who's the main character in the second book, he was also just kind of a gold digger that was mean to her. And then, yeah. so so I I don't hate men. <laughs> so I was like, <laughs> why are all the men in this book just terrible people? So they were also the two that I could kind of redeem, even in this book, a little bit. Like, Lord Bryant doesn't really get redeemed, but he gets a little bit more intriguing. Yes, um, very intriguing. And then... And, and Anthony gets a little bit, not necessarily redeemed as much as like, okay, we're going to understand him a little bit better right. than just he, then he's just like a plot device for, which is what both of them kind of were before I kind of um, fix their characters to be more what they are now. Right. You do have a couple of really nice guys though. Like I, Richardson, yeah. that's the friend is really nice. Yes. Yes. No. I love Richardson. Yes. He has his little shining moment that he boosts up Nate, and it's yeah. my favorite. I'm like, ah, oh, I love him. Yeah. No. <laughs> I don't think you hate men. <laughs> no, no, I mean, I don't. And But it, it felt like everyone, everyone at the beginning, it was like, Lord Bryant was just awful to her on the train. Yeah. Her old friend from her, you know, which is Anthony, was rude to her. You know, so it just yeah, felt like a lot. Off. And, and the, I have my most strong villain in this book like I, in none of my other books do I have a villain that is quite so um bad I guess yes. as this one and so it just it felt like a lot it felt like a lot of like every man in her life is not a good example and Richardson is great but he's not actually in her life much so right she yeah. just kind of meets him a few times yeah yes yeah <laughs> Okay. Um, when you were giving us our synopsis, you mentioned Grace's inheritance. She has this rather large <laughs> yes. um, inheritance that she has, and she kind of goes out of her way throughout the book to make sure that nobody knows about it. Very yes. secretive, um, which is usually the opposite of how it works. Usually it's like, yeah. I, I have a large dowry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm just curious about how inheritances work because at the beginning of the book um the the cousin that has taken over her family's estate her gross little cousin Mr. Carter yes. yeah. um he mentions that like he he wants to marry her because the estate needs her dowry yes so i'm very curious about how yeah. the dowry works out so um <laughs> So mostly, and you could, you could write a dowry, however you wanted to with a lawyer, right? But the tradition was very often that dowry money, um, it was often came from like her mother's dowry as well. Oh. And that, and that would be money that was set aside for the daughters. So the dowry is just straight up money to be given to them when they're married like basically given to their husband when they're mm -hmm. married. And so that is separate from the estate money that like the cousin would have inherited the estate and any income coming from the estate, which was usually maybe farming or things like that. So he would have the estate, but the dowry would have been protected for her for when she got married. And that would have been set up probably, I mean, from the time she was born, maybe even like that money is kind of set aside Right. So, 
Um, and it, and it often is even like, like depending on what her mother had as a dowry probably would affect that. But a, a father could also add to it, of course, but yeah. sometimes it, yeah. So it would, it would depend on how they got it exactly. So either your father, if you had a lot of daughters, I'm sure a father would add to that dowry. Right. Right. So, yeah. Okay. And also a husband was perfectly legal to just use the dowry money to take care of their estate and stuff. But I think tradition was often to kind of save that for the next generation, unless you really needed it. And then it was technically the husband's money. So, right. So like if her, her dad would have still been alive and the estate like needed extra income, can the dad pull from the dowry or he could have like if the amount had already been set and I might've been wrong about how young you would set a dowry. It probably would be more um, when you're coming out age is when it would really probably be set more perfectly. Right. Um, but since a, a husband might, or a father might not know when they die, I think often they would do it a little bit sooner so that that money was protected. Right. Um, right. Cause as soon as they die, if it's not in place, then uh, the money could go to the person taking the estate. Um, so uh, I think I've forgotten exactly what your question was. Uh, just <laughs> if their father had stayed alive. Yeah, he could have used the dowry money. And I think um, when you look back in like the Regency time, it, it was often like Jane Austen definitely used it as a marker to show like how good of a father you had almost yes. is were you using your money for your personal like comforts or were you saving it aside for your daughters so that they could have an advantageous marriage? And, mm -hmm. and many of her father's figures did not provide for their daughters as well as they could have. Right. Okay. So it's just so interesting, but I just, I mean, cause their parents kind of die unexpectedly. And so yeah. it's like, I don't think she'd have that big of a dowry if the estate was in trouble. Like maybe the uncle or the cousin just like squandered all the money. <laughs> he might have. That's a good question. <laughs> maybe that's because it's been years. So um, <laughs> I assume that he did. Like he seems like that kind I'm, of person. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or wasn't or wasn't running it as efficiently as her father had and right. things like that. Yes. Okay. All right, so next we're going to talk about Mr. and Mrs. Stetson, who are my favorite little background couple yes. ever. <laughs> I love them. Um, so they kind of serve as Grace and her cousin Georgiana's chaperones. Yeah. <laughs> I guess this is the best way to put kind it. Kind of, yeah. They're, they're, not, they're not who you'd want to have be chaperones, probably if you're trying to keep your daughters unmarried. But, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but yes. <laughs> okay, and they are just so, like, energetic and happy, and I just feel like they're probably what most of us readers are like when it comes to romance novels, that it's just like that giggly. <laughs> A good that's a good explanation <laughs> for their characters um, but I think I thought it was so fun that Mr. Stetson was just as much of like a matchmaker and like in love with this idea of love as Mrs. Stetson was yeah was. and it's not like because I feel like a lot of times 
characters are written that like the husband is kind of like, oh, you're just being silly or like, eh, whatever. Um, so I love that he participates as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, so where did this idea for them and their love of matchmaking come from? Well, I think it came from a few places. Um, part of it is that it helped. <laughs> it helped with the plot, <laughs> honestly, because they're, they are very willing to try yes. and get Grace and Nate together. Like they're very happy and excited about it and trying to just uh, get these girls to as many balls as possible. And, and they're so excited about the prospect of the season for them. But I also feel like a really main point of these two was they're probably the only example of a wonderful marriage in this book, maybe. I'm not sure, but like, I'd have to think back for sure to know. But for Grace, Grace's parents, I think were happily married too, but she didn't get to see them for, you know, as they got older. And so I also feel like they played that role of say, of showing like, look, like love can be a beautiful thing. And, and it doesn't mean you have to have everything perfect in your life, but like you choose each other. And I, and I, and that love is something to be excited about still. So I I really love them for that. Yes. And that conversation, they kind of have a similar conversation where they kind of talk about all of this um, in, at a garden party, if I'm remembering right. Um, And I love that they, ask them and I love that it's Mr. Stetson that answers and that it's like not like we've had this bright sunny everything's gone perfect it's like we've chosen to be happy and we yeah we chose to overcome the obstacles and to overcome the sadness and so I loved I love that that was in there and not and that he got to say that and that he loves his wife so much and he's like well, I'm married to her, so <laughs> yeah, so cute. <laughs> yeah, they are. They they really were some of my favorite side characters as well. And I'm sad they don't make a uh, an appearance in the other books because <laughs> they didn't quite work, you know. So I had to yeah. focus on what did work. And I can't even remember the why. I think the reason why is, is who they knew in the first book. They couldn't have oh. like I had somebody who they could have been if that makes sense but right. I was like they knew the wrong people and it was gonna mess something up in the second book so I couldn't oh, use okay. them yeah like the connections were yeah they might be mentioned or even in a scene here and there but they don't they don't play a role like they did here which is sad <laughs> <laughs> it is but I understand they can all make it to the next yeah. books or have them yeah the book, so as much as we wish them. <laughs> um, okay, Mom, I have one last question, and then I have a question from a fellow reader for you. Okay. Um, so your book title, as we've discussed, <laughs> yeah. is a proper scandal. Um, so how do you balance out <laughs> um, the proper romance aspect of it with the she's trying to catch this man by putting him in a scandalous <laughs> that is a very good question um you did I feel, a great job <laughs> I feel like when someone starts a book and when you write a book they're like it's almost like they're right away is kind of established by the author a heat level even if you haven't gotten to any heat level steams at uh, uh, scenes 
And so, so like, I think for me, it's a lot about keeping things at that level. Like the words I use aren't crap. The thoughts these people are thinking are not either. Um, So, so I think you keep it at a level of clean, even on like maybe the more um, sensual scenes, like there's different ways to write those. (laughs) And, and, um, so keeping it on an emotional connection level and, um, like the things he notices about her body are like her hair and her lips and, you know, so it's the part (laughs) and those things can still be a draw, but it's very different from if someone was writing a steamy book, like there would be different parts of her body that they were more obsessed with probably (laughs) than that. So I think that I, that's maybe a very technical answer to that question, but, um, like for me that, that I just know what level I'm comfortable with and mm-hmm. what I want to write. And so it comes out naturally for me because that's like the space I live in. I don't yes. know. Like I like a good kissing. I like, yes. <laughs> I like, I like for the kissing to be the pivotal moment of the story and bring everything together. And, and so I think that adds heightened drama and excitement without adding steam if that makes sense yeah and I think all those things can be done in a steamy book too but it's just it's just a different you just kind of know that level and you kind of stick with it right well that's because I mean um when she's kind of told she has to and ensnare yes um it's just that like oh this is gonna be so awkward like in your brain automatically (laughs) and it is but like enough funny way like when her parasol gets caught in her bonnet she's like trying to fancily descend the stairs it's like oh my gosh I am so embarrassed for her (laughs) well and she was so bad at it that like yeah yeah, so like innocent and naive and it just it comes across as so funny because it's like it almost is like an afterthought in her mind in all of these instances that it's like this could be like I mean if you're caught one-on-one like even though he's just trying to like get her parasol out of her bonnet like you're still alone yeah and it doesn't cross her mind to like the end yeah (laughs) it's like even though that is like her job (laughs) also yeah yes so yeah I loved it and I just I loved that balance of like could be like if they're caught it's scandalous by the ton but it's like a funny sometimes sweet moment that like it doesn't it never came across as like oh Esther like how dare you (laughs) in a clean romance yeah (laughs) Yeah. no and I I actually it was something that I had to think a lot about in this book too I think because like obviously she could do much more dangerous things to try and entrap him right and but it's not her personality either. So, I mean, for those who haven't read it, I mean, she's just, she's not sneaky enough. She's not bad enough (laughs) to actually pull this off. So yeah, it's fun. And you love her all the more for it, that it's like, she tries, but she's so bad and just, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. And she's very confused too, because she's still kind of holding out for like, I might have a different path. I might be able to yes. find something else, or maybe this is my best path. And she's trying to figure that out while also trying to appease her uncle yeah. and aunt and 
and, and, she and only keep herself safe. <laughs> yeah. She has two weeks to figure all of that out. Yeah. yeah. Figure out your life in two weeks. <laughs> yeah. <Good luck. laughs> For the rest of your life, it will yes. all be affected by this one decision. Yeah. yeah. All right. So our question from our reader comes from Chanel Lake on Instagram. And she asked um, how you came up with so many unique ideas from the Gracie uncle to the scoundrel savior to the train biz, etc. <laughs> I would love to know the answer to that question. <laughs> <laughs> so I am what in the writing world you call a pantser, which means I don't <laughs> plot out my books very well. I, I did... Let's see, it wasn't this one. It was my next book. I decided I'm going to try and plot it. And it didn't go well for me in, in that I didn't get anything done. So I tried to plot and I tried to plot. And then finally I got close enough to like, I felt like I needed to turn this book in soon. It's like, I'm just going to start writing again. And the moment I started just writing again, like things come to me when I write. And it's because it. details matter to me. Yeah. So um. I don't, I don't know how to plot with details is what I've discovered. Um, <laughs> and so a proper charade, which I think you've started, and I assume yes. you've probably got to this scene, but she wears a pair of boots that become yes. a huge kind of catalyst for the story. Well, so this, that was the book that I was trying to outline. And it was about that time that I was just like, I just have to write it. Well, the only reason why those boots are in that story is because I was like, I think she could borrow pretty much every other item of clothing, but it would be hard to borrow shoes from someone like yes. she's in disguise in this one, in that one. And, and because I just thought that through logically, it, it actually opened up a whole new plot of how everything was going to continue from there. So for me, that's what, when you, when I, when you ask like, how did I come up with all these intertwining things? It's kind of weird. I don't know. Like... <laughs> Um, I, I can think of certain things that I remember figuring out. Um, I really wanted a proper scandal scandal to have a double meet cute because I'd watched a Korean drama that had that where like they met once and it was kind of funny and awkward. And then they met again and it was even more funny and more awkward. And so that was actually besides wanting to come into like the Victorian era and who I wanted my hero to be, the double me cute was a huge part of just me coming up with, okay, why would a woman meet someone once and then meet him again and need his help for something? Or like, how could I twist yeah. that into like, like making it like funny that this is that random guy that he met. So that actually had a huge part to play in, in the whole plot is that I just wanted a situation where I could have a double meet cute at the beginning of the book. So I don't know. <laughs> I love it's, it. It's tricky. It's tricky for me to explain the way my brain works. But <laughs> eventually it makes a book. So you probably have as many surprises writing as we do reading it. <laughs> I think probably. And they're really fun. They're really fun. Like when you're like, oh, and, and that shoe thing, like it, I always come back to that when I get like frustrated that I'm not a plotter because it yeah. seems easier to me like not easier I don't, I'm not trying to take away from how hard it is to plot but it seems like like more concrete like I could tell someone I will finish this book in six months and I can never say stuff like that my books <laughs> some of them take me four some of them take me nine months I mean it just it because it has to come out 
in this weird organic way. But <laughs> so, so I, but, but because of that process where I tried to change the way I wrote and realized, oh, that just does, it's not the way I write. And that's mm-hmm. fine. Like everybody has their own thing. And so, so yeah, it, but because of that, it is really fun when something clicks into place and I've learned to like trust my brain to be able to connect yeah. the dots in the ways it needs to and bring things back from the beginning of the book if it needs to come back in again. And even though I didn't plot it that way and it's it's been really a fun process actually to see how you can make everything work. Yeah. I, I, I think the fact that I've read so many books, <laughs> I was like a super <laughs> avid reader before I write, started writing. And I think my brain still wants to connect, like guess what's going to happen next and Yes. Um, and things. Yes. I don't, I don't think I was a guess what happens next person until a couple years ago. And now I'm like, you know what I think is going to happen. <laughs> like, yeah. Just yeah. happens one day and you're this like, I'm going to guess what's going on. I'm usually wrong. I am the worst at that. <laughs> I do still well, I don't like, it's nice though. When you like, when you are wrong, it means hopefully they're a talented author. As long as, you have to be wrong in the right ways and right in the right way. It, like it's a tricky yes. fine line for an author because it's not a bad thing for your readers to guess things in your book right. um, because yeah. it makes them feel like smart. And that's a great part <laughs> of the experience too. Yeah. But also like you have to pick the times when you're like, no, this one's going to be a surprise. Like, yeah. I mean, often, I mean, a good example of like when there's a love triangle, you always want the person you think it is going to be to be the person it's going to be I mean or at least the person you're cheering for you don't want to have somebody cheering for the wrong guy the whole book you know so you have to as an author you have to be able to like play that fine line of well you don't know for sure but yes I'm going to make you happy by giving you what you want (laughs) yes I feel like that's how it was with the double meet you and proper scandal it's like Please, like when it described like his appearance at like the ball, like oh, it's the guy from the dream state. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like if yeah. it's not, I'm gonna have a problem. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. So anyway, it's been a long time since I've gotten to talk about this book, and I, <laughs> it's fun to come back to it and and think about these characters again. They they really started my career off in a different path actually like not different exactly but just like this series has been great for my career and I've had so much fun doing it yes I've heard uh, so many amazing things about it so I'm glad I'm finally diving in even though I am a little bit behind everybody else <laughs> well my hope is that people continue to pick up these books and read them so yes. that is that is not a problem they even- are amazing yeah. so definitely worth picking up even if you're a few years behind <laughs> yeah. well good okay. I'm glad <laughs> I have one last question for you okay. easiest one um what are you currently working on if you're allowed to tell us um so I kind of mentioned that I am doing edits on the fourth book in this series yeah um I haven't really seriously dove into those yet Mm -hmm. um, because I am working on a project that is secret for the next few weeks, um, but it should, it should be announced in the next few weeks. 
and it will be something that comes out sooner, even though it's not done yet. <laughs> it, it's an indie one. So my indie ones can come out a lot faster. So that one will be, that will be coming out at the end of this year. And I'm excited about it. I'm having so much fun with it. So okay, but I can't for... really announce it yet. <laughs> so watch, okay. watch for it on Instagram. Okay. And for those of you that might not follow you on Instagram, where can they find you so they don't miss this amazing reveal? <laughs> so I'm <laughs> author Esther Hatch on Instagram, Facebook, pretty much anywhere you can find me. My my webpage is estherhatch.com. So basically Google me and you probably <laughs> can find my stuff. Yeah. Perfect. Hey, well, I will be keeping an eye out in the next two weeks for this awesome announcement. I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm excited to announce it. I've been holding this news back for a while, so it'll be fun. Ooh, that makes it even yeah. better. <laughs> hey, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me, Esther. I had so much fun chatting with you and learning about these amazing characters. And I am just going to dive into the next one even more okay. now because I, I hope my, you love it. Made myself pace and now I don't have an excuse. That's why I can't <laughs> stay up all night again. <laughs> yeah. I will say that um, a proper charade like Anthony and, and uh, Patience are kind of my favorite couple. Like I have favorite individuals. I think they might be my favorite couple. So <laughs> enjoy them. I will. I already am and I'm only in chapter four. So yeah. Good. Hey. <laughs> all right. Thank you so much, Esther. All right. Thank you for having me, Maddie. Anytime. Thank you for joining me today. I will see you again on September 7th for the next episode of Book Talk.